Hello, you're listening to the CrossFit Lady podcast, a podcast for women over 50 who are interested in staying active in this sport through menopause and beyond. I'm Lita Peterson, host of the show and just your regular mom and average CrossFitter who's passionate about all the good that comes from this sport. My mission is to encourage us older female athletes to train smart by discussing relevant topics and featuring interviews with people we can learn from. Thank you for being here. And now on with the show. Hello, strong ladies. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thank you for being here. I hope that you've all had a great week and are looking forward to the week ahead. As you're probably aware, the CrossFit Open is just about, I think it's three weeks away. This time of year is very exciting and even more so this year because both of my boxes that I coach at are doing an intramural CrossFit Open, meaning that the members are going to be divided into teams and they will compete for points. So I love this idea and it's going to be my first time participating in an intramural open event. So I want to know, does your box do this? Are you going to join in? Um, I think it's a great way to get all members hyped for the Open and to bring some fun back into it. So I don't know about you, but I remember that when I started CrossFit, the Open was just fun. Uh, The workouts were challenging, but I was, man, I was fueled by adrenaline. I was a novice. I was enthusiastic and I was getting cheered on by my group of buddies. It was just fun. I don't know. I feel like somewhere along the way, however, the Open became more competitive and less fun. Uh, And maybe this is just my perspective, but I felt like I saw people were getting really caught up on their scores and redoing the workouts two and three times. And that kind of vibe, I think, made the regular Joes and Janes feel like they didn't have a place in the Open. I mean, I know that HQ has always had and RX and scaled versions across all the age groups, but still the like a serious competitive streak was building in, at least in my microsphere of CrossFit. And I don't know if it was like the rise in viewership of the CrossFit games and seeing the fittest of the fit compete and also those documentaries of the games that sprung up. Um, I don't know if all those things initiated that kind of like competitive response, competitive streak that came on, but um, but it did, I felt. Um, and even though those were awesome and amazing athletes uh, that we were watching on TV, they, they were inspiring to watch. I think now perhaps we've come to realize that they're not regular people who just happen to be at CrossFit. No, we now know and understand that, in fact, this is their full-time jobs. Their full-time jobs are to train to become these amazing competitive athletes. And I think, in my opinion, once we've this realization has helped the community as a whole calm down and say, well, heck, we're not making a career out of CrossFit. So let me just do the open for the sake of, you know, curiosity to see how we compare against all the other regular folk or just to give it a go for fun's sake again. 
So it is in this trajectory that this that I see the open taking shape this year, and I'm excited about it. Um, I'm hearing more. Uh, I'm hearing that more boxes are running intramural competitions uh, with fun events and prizes, and really taking the spirit of the games into a community building and bonding experience. And I think that's great. So I'd love to hear if you're taking part in the open this year. And if so, in what way? Are you going to be registering as an official participant? Are you going to be joining an intramural team or both? I want to know and I want to hear how it goes. I'm going to share with you how um, what the experience is like at both of my boxes. All right. Well, enough about that. I'm sure we're going to talk about the open later on. But today I wanted to chat about scaling and modifications. And I'm going to use those words interchangeably. They essentially mean the same thing. In a previous episode, I spoke about how scaling is cool, which is still true, by the way. Scaling is what I do on a regular basis. Um, We know that scaling is a way to move through WAD where you can still achieve the stimulus of that workout despite any limitations that you may have. This is what makes CrossFit accessible to all. The ability to scale and modify workouts so that everyone can participate and still improve their fitness. So scaling is defined by the L1 trainer guide as modifying the elements of the workout for the safest implementation of the program. So changing intensity and volume of workouts are ways to scale the work. However, a principal consideration is to do it in such a way that you preserve the stimulus of the workout. In other words, that the workout will still have the desired effect on that individual, even with the modifications, right? So we don't want to scale something so much to where you're not reaping the benefits of what that workout is intended to offer. In some instances, let's say an injury, for instance, um, a substitution of the movement might be required, but substituting one movement for another is usually done as a last resort because the substitution might deviate significantly from the actual program. However, you, with using some creative thoughts, um, I feel like a good coach would be able to substitute a movement that will recruit the same movement patterns um, as in the original workout. Okay, so now that I've laid out these terms and we're on the same page, I'm going to share with you what I see as a coach time and again and what prompted me um, to record this episode. I see athletes using the same scaling techniques for a particular movement or movements, and I also notice a reluctant, a reluctant attitude towards trying new scalings or new progressions. And here's why this is a problem. Scaling is meant to develop competency in the movement and to help the athlete make gradual improvement over time, improvement in both intensity and volume. So for, um, for instance, let's take the push-up. A beginner athlete who cannot perform a standard push-up, which is plank body, on your toes, chest touches the ground, if they can't do that, they might be asked to perform knee push-ups. A knee push-ups will allow them to focus on building strength to get their chest to the ground and to develop a good plank body position. After some time, an assessment needs to be made to find out if they've gained enough strength to add the legs into it, you know, getting those straight, getting into that straight leg position that the standard push-up requires. Um, so an assessment is made to see whether they can 
go into that um, that new version of it, right? From knee push-ups to the straight leg position as in the standard push-up. So this is point number one. If you're using a scaling as okay, as long as you then take the opportunity after some time to assess, has this scaling or modification helped me get closer to the desired movement? If the answer is no, or if the athlete tries the standard movement, again, considering the push-up, they might say, well, the knee push-up scaling gave me body awareness of keeping a nice plank and a strong body position, but I'm still not strong enough to support my full body weight. So at this point, they try a new scaling. So this is point number two. Once you've assessed your original scaling for a definite amount of time, let's say a month to three months, you need to find a new scaling to help you continue to build competency. So the new scaling for someone in this scenario who's in between a knee push-up and a standard push-up might be using the band across the rig and lowering the hips across the band as they perform a standard push-up. The band is there to provide support, but it's allowing the athlete greater range of motion and therefore building greater competency towards a standard push-up. So with every new scaling, the athlete should self-assess and bring the coach into it too. I mean, have them check your form and agree with you on what needs work and what doesn't. Moving through modifications with more intentionality and thought will allow you to be more, to move sorry, will allow you to more effectively move through a progression towards a new skill. Once you've achieved the skill, then we can look at adding intensity and volume. So what that looks like is this. So after a few months, you now are able to perform three uh, standard push-ups, let's say, but a half MRF is being programmed at your gym. That's 100 push-ups. A lot of people that I see will immediately go for a scaling for the entire thing, usually using a scaling that um, they had done previously. I think that there's an opportunity to scale in such a way that you practice your new skill and not dismiss it altogether. So if you have three standard push-ups, use them. We usually break up a half MRF into, let's say, 20 rounds, right? Um, we do that for regular MRF, right? Breaking it up to about 20 rounds. That would be about five push-ups per round. So start off with your three push-ups and then do two banded push-ups or knee push-ups. Try to keep your three standard push-ups for as long as you can, knowing that you might be down to one standard push-up towards the final rounds or maybe even none. And you'll finish the final one scaled. But guess what? You'll still have performed many more standard push-ups, thereby practicing your hard-earned skill. You would have done more than if you had scaled the whole thing. So this is point number three. Once a scaling or scalings have worked for you in terms of helping you obtain a new skill, use it. Use that skill as often, use it often, even if you have to cut the reps at first. It doesn't matter. Use that skill because you will only get better at doing it if you practice them. And we can't always rely on the wad having a low volume of them. So it's on you to lower the volume. I'm sure your coach will help you as well. Lower the volume, lower the reps so that you can continue to practice that new skill. And volume and intensity will come on gradually as you get stronger. All right, so here's the flip side. While some people hold on to a particular modification too long, other people don't hold on long enough. They're impatient. I usually see this with weightlifting. And I'm going to quote from the L1 Trainer's Manual. It says, 
and I quote, CrossFit's charter for creating the most optimal balance of safety, efficacy, and efficiency is mechanics, consistency, and then, and only then, intensity. It is imperative that the movements can be performed correctly and consistently before load and speed are added. While intensity is an important part of the CrossFit program, it is added after movement proficiency is established. Ignoring this order increases the risk for injury and potentially blunts long-term progress, especially if poor mechanics are combined with load. Did you get all that? That's a mouthful, right? But it's so important. And I read this because I could not have said it better myself. So essentially, it's mechanics first and then everything else, lest you tempt injury. So with weightlifting particularly, I've told athletes to keep the weight on their bar low only to see them adding more weight the minute I turn around. So annoying. I can't tell you how annoying that is. What they're not seeing is that I can see that they're not moving well with that extra weight. They may feel like they are, but that's not the case. And look, I get it. I'm I know I'm guilty of this too. I get in there and start throwing weight around on my bar thinking that I look like Danny Spiegel, but in actuality, I'm light years away from that. So trust your coaches. If they tell you to keep that weight low until you have shown proficiency, do it. As a coach, I want to see 20 perfect power cleans at a set weight before I will allow more weight to be added. And then I will stick with that until you can hit another perfect set of 10 and so on and so on. So for all scalings and modifications, one thing I recommend is keeping track of your progress. You have greater appreciation for the progress that you're making, even when you feel not much progress is being made if you track. We often think of tracking in terms of just the amount of weight we use for lifts or our time to complete wads, but definitely track the scalings too. What you're using, the length of time that you use it, that you've used it and reflect on how it has helped or it hasn't. The cool thing is that for every CrossFit movement, there seems to be an endless variety of scalings, modifications, progressions, etc. So don't be afraid to try something new. Continue to scale up the ladder until you achieve your goal. Use these scalings to propel you, uh, to be a catalyst for you to achieve the goal of that new skill. And don't just hold on to it. Don't use it as a crutch to be able to continue with that particular scaling just because um, you've gotten comfortable with it. I mean, and that is the enemy, right? Being Staying in that comfort zone of that scaling. Continue to move up, continue to find new ways to improve. All right, ladies, I hope that you all feel great in the coming week and that you crush it in the gym. Be safe and have fun. If you enjoy this podcast, please support it with a good review and by sharing it with others. Our community is growing and I'd love to continue that trend. Your subscription to the show, your time in listening to the episodes, and your feedback is greatly appreciated. Thank you. Remember that you can reach out to me on Instagram at CFLadyPodcast or by email at CrossFitLadyPodcast at gmail.com.